Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another Believe in Betting Chicago. My name is Joy Christopoulos. On today's episode, we're, we're talking Cubs and White Sox today. It's going to be a great time because it's a great time to be a baseball fan. The Chicago White Sox are 7-5. and five. The Cubs are 10-2. and two. So I thought I'd bring on a baseball Chicago maven for me, a fantasy baseball maven, if you will. He works at a place called rotoballer.com. And, guys, if you don't go to that website, you should definitely check it out. Maybe because I also sort of work there. Maybe because it's also a fantastic website, but we're talking to Daniel Burdine today. Daniel, how are you, my friend? I'm doing good. Thanks for having me, Joey. Not a problem. Thank you so much. Now, Daniel, you cover both the Cubs and the White Sox for rotoballer.com, and I cover the Astros and the Angels. So, I mean, my first question for you is, uh, how long have you been with Rotoballer? Because it seems like you've gotten those two tasty teams for the last several years. It's been pretty nice, huh? Yeah, it's been nice. I've been with Roto Baller for about four years, and I started with the Giants, and then as soon as the Cubs and the White Sox opened, I had to get in there because you you know Chicago fans. So I did the exact same thing with the Bears. I just waited for that moment where the Bears opened up, and I pounced, and now I've had them for the last couple of seasons, and I'm never letting them go. But rotoballer.com, it's a fantastic site. Not only do we do excellent game recaps, but we're always on top of injuries. We're on top of every single Twitter feed that you could possibly have about any piece of information about your favorite team. And we also give you some great fantasy analysis too as well. So I wanted to bring you on, Daniel, because I wanted to talk about the Cubs and White Sox, two teams off to two great starts. I want to start first with the Cubs, then we'll transition over to the White Sox. The Cubs right now, 10-2, and two, tied for the best record in baseball. I mean, we're going to have a really nice time gushing about this team. But first, what would you say is probably the thing that has most surprised you thus far about this Cubs team? I'd say what I've been most surprised with has been the starting pitching because that was the biggest question mark coming into the season. You lost Cole Hamels, you Darvish, you know, he's been up and down, but he had a great second half. Hendricks is reliable, but with Lester being a year older and Chatwood, you know, Chatwood's been hit or miss, mainly a bullpen arm. And I've, I've really been surprised with Alec Mills because I'm not the biggest Jose Quintana fan, but I think Alec Mills is definitely making a mark and making a statement that he wants to keep that number five job. Yeah. For Cubs fans right now, Jose Quintana, not the biggest fan on the mound, not the biggest fan in the kitchen either uh, because he's missed time because he's uh, he sliced his finger open uh, washing dishes right now. We're going to get to him in a second, but you're right. The starting pitching again, you know, last night you Darvish pitched another fantastic game. It just seems to kind of roll itself over now. And now Cubs fans are actually excited to watch Tyler Chatwood pitch. Did you ever think that I would say those words to you right now that you're hearing that Tyler Chatwood and Cubs fans are excited at the same time? Right. I mean, he, he's been our, he's been our ace right now and our starting pitching. I mean, nobody saw this coming. Like when we started the season, I was, you look at the Cubs offense and it's always offense, 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 but this pitching's really been making a big statement so far. And they're doing things that, like, they're running stats that, like, haven't happened since, like, 2016. I mean, if I believe Darvish made it to seven innings. It was, like, the first time that they've had consecutive seven-inning starters since 2016. That's an excellent marker. I mean, anytime you can compare it to that World Series team, you're probably in good shape. And Alec Mills, like you said, Jason Marquis-esque, uh, dare I say. I mean, all of a sudden now has that excellent two-seamer. He's going out there. He's pitching great. And for the first time, you know, I think in quite a while, we have ourselves a little bit of a wealth of riches at the starting pitching position right now. And with Jose Quintana, when he comes back, I mean, I think he's probably maybe a couple more weeks back. You know, 
general thoughts right now. We still have more baseball to play until he comes back. What do you think we should do with Jose Quintana when he comes back? Is he a starter or do you put him in the bullpen? I would put him in the bullpen, but I think given the Cubs investment in them, I think they will put him in the rotation. But I think if Alec Mills keeps pitching as he does, as he has, I think Quintana's leash could be short, especially with the Cubs bullpen. It's been really struggling. So Quintana, you know, in the smaller doses, maybe could help out the club. Yeah, I'm wondering if there's a situation too where, you know, on the days when, you know, Alec Mills' spot, you know, let's say you give it to Quintana, right? Because as you mentioned, and you're totally correct, you know, the contract, he does, you know, he actually has an above 500 record pitching as a Cub. He has had very successful streaks. He's had some bad streaks as well. I'm wondering if it's a scenario too where on the days Quintana pitches, Alec Mills is sitting right there waiting in the wings because some of the issues that Quintana had last year was, when he, get, when he gets to that third, fourth, fifth inning, he has a really hard time getting guys out. Maybe then you could turn to Alec Mills and turn it into a one-two type combo. Would you prefer maybe something like that? Or, you know, I've heard people talk about even a six-man rotation. What are your thoughts on if the Cubs went to a six-man? I think it'd be, I don't think it's a bad idea. If Alec Mills keeps pitching this way, why not? Because in a shortened season, you want your arms to be fresh. You don't want to overuse them. And I think it also, I mean, it might bring the best out of Quintana just having Mills breathing down his neck. Right. Yeah. Give him something. I mean, obviously he's going to be a free agent at the end of the season. And again, it's just been frustrating, you know, not only because of the trade pieces that the Cubs gave up, but then you really thought Quintana was going to take that next step in his career. And if anything, I mean, I think if I was to be kind, I would say that he's just treading water. I don't know if he's gotten better. I don't know if he's gotten worse. He's just kind of sort of stayed the same there. So, yeah, maybe there's a situation where you could have, you know, Hendricks usually has issues with his shoulder at least once a year, right? After that first month, he'll have a barking shoulder. Lester, as you uh, mentioned, year older. Maybe these guys would benefit from an extra day off, and maybe there could be a six-man rotation situation. You know, and, and it's so funny, too, because we're, we're, we're dealing with this, so this issue of, you know, we don't want to get Alec Mills. <laughs> we can't get rid of Alec Mills. We can't, Daniel. We just can't. It's a, it's a really interesting situation to be in. And, and so just to be clear, you would probably put Quintana in the rotation and you would move Mills to the bullpen. Is that what you would probably do in this, in the scenario of when he comes back healthy? I think that I personally wouldn't, but I think that that's what the Cubs are going to do. Cause I think just because like, as you mentioned earlier, just with the contract and when you give up someone like Eloy Jimenez, you don't want to be like, Oh, we traded this all-star outfielder for our sixth inning reliever situational <laughs> guy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. You gotta, you gotta put some lipstick onto the situation there for <laughs> sure. And the starting pitching has been fantastic. And what's been really nice too, as well is let's pivot over to this offense, right? where the offense, the first, what, six, eight, nine games was fantastic scoring runs. I believe we're still scoring just about six runs a game. But the last couple of days, they haven't necessarily, you know, been lighting the world on fire, but doing just enough thanks to this starting pitching. What have you liked the most out of what you've seen from this offense so far? And give the offense a grade right now through 12 games. I'd say, through, I'd say we got off to a good start, but overall, I'd say they've been, I'd say they've been about average. I've been surprised, like, aside from Wilson Contreras, Rizzo did get off to a good start, but he's been slumping a little. And with the exception of last night, Bryant's been slumping. Baez, hit, Baez has been slumping a little. But I have been very impressed with uh, the bottom half of the order with Ian Happ, 
he's been ever since his demotion from last year. I mean, he came back up in the second half and he's just, he does not want to go back to Iowa. He wants to keep that job. And I think the center field job's safe with him. And I also think second base, I mean, that was a big work, big question mark coming into the off season. And Nico Horner, he started off well and he's getting those at bats, which I, which I like. And I, even Jason Kipnis, I'm not going to lie. Like I thought I was not, when we signed him, I was like another, you know, cheap free agent, former all-star. He's going to take playing time from Nico, and but he's been, he's proven me wrong so far. I mean, he has a pair of home runs, so can't complain with that production. Well, last year, you know, we did the exact same thing with Carlos Gonzalez, right? And we were like, oh, right. what does he possibly have left in the tank? Turns out not a whole lot. So the Jason Kipnis thing felt a little bit more of like a redux situation, but Northbrook's finest right now. He's not starting every day, but he's already got like 21 fantasy points. He's hitting right. what? Almost like 500. And you're hitting it right on the head. The bottom of the lineup right now, which I think maybe scared some Cubs fans at the beginning of the season because we're like, oh, KB is going to be at the lineup, at the top of the lineup. Maybe that's going to make, the, make it a little bit too top heavy. So then all of a sudden, six, seven, eight, nine, whoa, you know what I mean? Really falls off the, off the, uh, the cliff there a little bit. But man, that lineup, I mean, even Carantini, you know, Bodie's hitting the ball pretty decently. And Ian Happ, you know, you know, Ian Happ is just sort of that tantalizing player that I, he's a little bit different from all the other prospects, if you will, that have come up on this Cubs team the last few years. He's got speed, switch hitter, tons of power. I mean, if he can get going somehow and continue to stay that way, I mean, it really changes the Cubs lineup. Do you like him at the bottom of the lineup? Or do you think at some point maybe he could be perhaps a leadoff hitter? Well, I've actually debated that back and forth because I feel like also with – I don't really like Jason Hayward at the number six spot because I feel, I feel like that, that's not a, a good light. spot for him. But then I sort, but then it's again, it's like you look at half and if, he, if him, if he's getting on base in the number nine spot, he has KB coming up after him. Rizzo, he's, there's going to be players like he'll be able to get knocked in. But so I think for now, I mean, I think it's, I think he's comfortable in the number nine spot and I, I, I like him there for now. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Where, you know, KB at the leadoff spot, you know, you're, you're like, oh, you're taking away RBI opportunities from KB. But sort of an interesting thing that's sort of happening is, you know, Ian Happ's getting on base, a guy with speed. Nico Horner's a guy that's getting on base, a dude with speed. And now all of a sudden, it seems like these past three or four games, KB has more RBI opportunities. And he's a guy that can hit, you know, 30, 35 doubles a season. If he's hitting doubles with Ian Happ and Nico Horner on first base, they're going to be scoring runs. You know what I mean? I, I think that's actually a really interesting setup for KB. Um, you kind of mentioned KB struggling a little bit. He's looked a little bit better the last couple of days. Do you portend a hot streak coming from him? Or is you think he's still maybe a little bit of ways away from finding his true rhythm at the plate? No, I, 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 think, I think the couple of days off that he had, I think that reset his, reset his mind, reset his body. And, I th you know, he's come back hot and – I think in general, he's had a lot of injuries the past couple of seasons. And I, I'm a bigger Chris Bryant fan than a lot of my Cubs friends. But I think, I mean, I think he's one of the better hitters. Like when he's healthy, I, I, like I, think, he, I think he's the best hitter on the Cubs when he's fully healthy. And you want, you want him getting those at-bats at the beginning of the lineup. He'll set the table. And without a true traditional leadoff hitter, why not have your best hitter hitting first? I'm a big Chris Bryant guy. I'm right there with you. You know, I think he is, I think he's a very smart hitter. I think when he first came up, sure, he hit a ton of bombs, but I think the evolution of him 
of the type of hitter that he is now at the plate is is been vastly improved. He's a great base runner. He can take a walk. He can still hit the ball for power. Uh, the thing that I've kind of noticed too, and, and maybe you can agree or disagree with me, is it seems like KB goes on home run binges, right? Where he will pop four or five in a 10-game span and then go two weeks without one and then go kind of through go through another home run binge. Am, am I on to something there? Or, or Yeah, he's a very hot and cold player, but like he's the type of player he'll win you a week and then – you know, he'll lose you a week. But, yeah, but he definitely uh, definitely like him at the leadoff spot. And it's been really interesting, right, where the Cubs offense, I'm, I'm with you, doesn't look that different than perhaps what it has in the past few seasons where, yeah, if you look at the stat sheet right now or, you know, if these guys are on your fantasy team, not necessarily, you know, carrying you all the way to victories at the end of every single week. But the thing that's been really interesting is, you know, the Cubs teams of last year, they would score some runs in those first, you know, four or five innings, but then they would disappear. That offense would just completely evaporate. And, you know, we just couldn't crack that, that run, any runs like late in the game. We couldn't get runners in scoring position late in the game and then drive them in this season though. You know, just let's, let's talk about this for a second. The seventh inning or later, I think the Cubs have an OPS over 900 right now which is absolutely astounding. And they did it again last night. Close ball game, you know, two to one score, score a couple of runs, score a couple more, more runs, extend those leads. And, you know, we're going to get to the bullpen, buddy. Don't you worry. We're, we're, we're just warming up right now. But let me just tell you, like, when you keep extending leads like that, you know, having a dog shit bullpen all of a sudden doesn't seem to be that glaring. And I think that's something a little bit different from last year. It's been, uh, you know, what, what do you think about that? You, you got to like what you're seeing from late runs, uh, late scoring runs in the games. Yeah, and I totally agree with that. And even in the past year or two, it's also been, just in general, the offense has been streaky. Well, they'll, they'll score eight runs in one game and then go four games scoring three runs. So I, so I think it's definitely more balanced this season. And I think also just having good pitching, I feel like it's, it's a lot less – the offense doesn't have too much pressure to have to score, hit a home run or score 10 runs a game when you have dominant pitching like you did. Yeah, it seems like we've been able to get leads a little bit earlier in games, which is always like a good feeling for a baseball team. And you hit it right on the head, too. That was definitely a hallmark of the Cubs offense in past seasons where they would score eight runs one day. And then three days later, they would have eight hits combined uh, across three more games. And you're kind of like, what, what sort of happened? A little bit of a Jekyll and a Hyde didn't know what you were getting. And then you would have days where you'd score the eight runs and the pitching staff would give up, you know, seven or eight as well. You would have other days where they only, you know what I mean? It never really seemed to sort of match up in concert. And I think that at the very least, that's something that the offense is doing right now. If, so if you think that the offense, you know, can do better, which it sounds like the, you think that it can, you know, what would you, what would you like to see specifically, you know, let's just say over the next 10 games from this offense that would, you know, maybe give you a little bit of a higher grade moving forward. More consistency. Definitely, like, like, I, like I said, like Brian Baez and, and uh, Rizzo, they've been, start, like, they've been hitting well this week. And I think it's just more consistency and knowing, like, we're not going to have games where we're shut out or we score one run. You know, follow me along. I'll try and frame it as best as I can. But, you know, it's so interesting that, you know, we talk about this Cubby's core all the time, right? And now this Cubby's core is truly like in their prime. All these guys are 27, 28, 29, 30 years old. Classic prime years for baseball players, right? And I'm always wondering, 
you know, we won in 2016 with this young team. And after we won, everyone thought that not only were we going to start, you know, we, we did, we ripped off a couple more playoff appearances, but everyone was like, you know, can we win another title? This team is going to be amazing. Every single year, these players are just going to keep getting better and better. And I think what's kind of interesting now, maybe we're seeing it this year, and feel free to agree or disagree, is that taking Ian Happ, right? Ian Happ came up about three years ago and, and flashed early on. And since then, he's been this quote-unquote disappointment. Well, you know, you, you know better than anyone else. Like, you love minor league prospects. It takes guys at bats, and it takes guys failures. You know what I mean? Months of, of working through it, coming back, maybe changing your swing on the fly to finally come back and actually become the player that you're supposed to be. Take Kyle Schwarber, right? Came up in 15 and just shocked everybody with how amazing and awesome he was. And then 17 and 18, you know, really struggled. Struggled with his, uh, let's be honest, struggled with his weight, struggled with his swing. And, you know, now that he's got the at-bats under his belt, he hits 38 bombs last year, and now he's a middle-of-the-order guy. You know, is it fair to maybe think that this 10-2 and Cubs team maybe has some guys that are just going through a, national, a natural progression? of baseball players, you know, no one's amazing right off the bat and stays amazing. It kind of takes a little while. Um, you know, do you agree or disagree that maybe, you know, some of these guys are maybe sort of coming into their own before our very eyes, you know, after all this time, just because in baseball, it's, it's hard to do that. Yeah. And I, I definitely agree because baseball, I mean, it's a very tough sport in general. That's why like you see players that they could, even if players could mash in all the way through the minor leagues, but the major leagues, it's a whole other animal out there. And, and it takes time and a lot of, and I think, you know, especially in a city like Chicago, there's the media attention, you know, when Chris Bryant got called up, people knew where they were. People, like, people were excited and, and that comes with pressure. And some, and a lot of players, like some players could handle the pressure and some players can't. And I, and I do, so I do think a lot of these players are reaching their potential and they're going to, I'm not worried about the current construction of the roster as far you, as the young players go. You may or may not be talking about Albert Almora and that uh, not handling <laughs> the pressure situation, which is totally, which is totally fine. But, you know, maybe there's, maybe there's something to that is, you know, we just thought this team was going to be amazing year in and year out, but we kind of forget that these are still like players that are in their, you know, they're in their mid twenties and now they're in their late twenties. And maybe now they're actually kind of, coming to the place where these are the players that we thought we were going to get, you know, three or four years ago, you know, I kind of thought, I, I mean, when KB came up, right. Like, did you think that he was going to hit 50 home runs a season? Like when he first came up? Not his first year, but I did pick him. I did pick him in the third round that year. And ever, all my friends laughed at me. So worked out for me that with that year. <laughs> Yeah, his fantasy value has been an interesting roller coaster, right? Like the year I think he, after he won the MVP, I want to say he was maybe like a first or a second round value, something. He was like 14, 15, and then sort of been on the decline. This year, I think he's like, he was in the 40s, 45s overall, something along those lines. Uh, Daniel, I got a little secret for you. Uh, he's on my fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I definitely, I definitely went out to get him. So, uh, you know, you know, we're having a great time. So, you know, let's bring it, let's bring it down, right? Let's put a little yang to the yang. Let's talk about the bullpen real quick. Um, you know, I think uh, maybe without even asking you the question, I think we both can agree that the bullpen is uh, is terrifying, um, is a little bit on the uh, the atrocious side, and you know, I just want to sort of hear your thoughts. You know, 
you know, there's, there seems to be only a couple guys that we can trust right now. You know, Jeremy Jeffress, Rowan Wick, Casey Sadler, maybe, um, you know, just your general thoughts on maybe the bullpen right now, you know, what, what would you do with this bullpen right now? For, and forget for the rest of the season, you know, over the, the next four or five games, you know, if you were the manager, if you were David Ross, how would you be handling this bullpen um, in your opinion? Yeah, I mean, I think Rowan Witt's been stepping up and Jeffers has been good. And I mean, I think definitely think Kimbrell could use some, just some mental days off or low leverage situations because he's just got the yips right now. We know what he could do when he's, when he's healthy, but you know, for whatever reason, he's just really struggling. And, and he's just in one of those holes where like, you think he's going to get out of it and then it just gets worse and worse and worse. And in a, in a game, you know, in any sport, like that's going to mess with your head and, and when you have options like Rowan Wick, I mean, he's like, he's a guy like that Theo Epstein and Jed Hoyer, they found he's a converted position player. And I mean, cheap guy and he's getting the job done. And I think if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And I think they should just go with Rowan Wick until, until he uh, hopefully doesn't struggle. <laughs> but, but, uh, but I think right now, I mean, he's the guy with the keys. Yeah. So, mind. so it, let's just, uh, let's hit Kimbrough real quick. You know, sometimes when a guy is going so bad, they'll put him on the IL with some phantom injury so he can work it out on his own time. You know, would you go that route or would you, you know, you alluded to it briefly, but I'm going to give you kind of the option here. Would you stick him on the IL, get him off the roster, maybe clean the cobwebs out and see if you can bring him back in a different way? Or would you kind of have him work it out on the big league roster, like you said, you know, mop up duty in a sixth inning game. Hopefully, you know, the Cubs are up 12 to two or something and you can roll them out and maybe see if you can work it out that way. Which would, which way would you go? I, I mean, the Cubs do have some good options that they could call up. So I think I would, I think I would put them on the injured list, you know, 10 days, just clear your mind, get some side sessions in and then I'd work, I'd work them back in. I mean, get some low, low, uh, low leverage situations and then, just hope that he could work it out from there because we've seen, I mean, in the past, he was one of the, he was on his way to the hall of fame and then, you know, came here in, in typical Chicago closer fashion, blew up in his face. But, but, uh, but yeah, I think, I think, you know, give him some rest, give him the injured list, get some low leverage situations and then hopefully he could figure it out from there. It's incredible, isn't it? There's really nothing truly like being amazing at your profession and then coming to sweet home Chicago and just ruining it all. Uh, right. <laughs> it's just happened. It's just happened over and over again, at least over the last, you know, 20 years. Um, and so let me ask you this. How many, you know, let's just say these appearances, you know, these mop-up cleanup appearances for Kimball, let's just say that he gets through them scoreless. How many appearances do you think it will take before David Ross trusts him again in the eighth or ninth inning? I would say if he's pitching well, I mean, I, I think he's maybe three or four, like good strikeout appearances, not, you know, clean innings, no walks, no, not a lot of hits. Like if he could go through a couple of crisp innings, I think, I mean, you're paying him a lot of money. He's, you know what he could do. So I, I mean, at some point you have to throw him back in the fire. I wouldn't throw him in in a close game when it's a one run game, but if we have a three or four run lead in the eighth inning. I'd give him a shot. Yeah, I was, I'm, I'm in total agreement with you. I was going to say three, um, you know, if he can get through three scoreless innings. Yeah, no, uh, first pitch home runs, please. Right. And uh, if you can get those kind of unscathed, I think then maybe after that third one, maybe then you test him out in the eighth inning game. Um, you know, yeah, 
you know, I think a good situation would be if we were actually down a run in an eighth inning game, that's a good time to probably bring him in. That would give him some confidence. But like you said, three, four runs up, probably nothing close at that time. Um, I would probably go with like a guy like Tapera at that point over Kimbrell. But, you know, what we're talking about right now, those three appearances, you know, that's at least a week, right? That's at least a week. That's at least a week and a half. So, you know, theoretically now the way that it stands, you know, the Cubs aren't really going to be able to have the services of Kimbrel, if you will, until maybe what the 25, 30 game mark, you know, maybe halfway now. Cause that's sort of where we're at. I mean, this season is short. It will fly fairly quickly. So they are going to have to sort of shore up some different areas. And this is a big reason why I wanted to have you on my man. I wanted to talk about some dudes that maybe aren't on the roster right now that, you know, casual Cubs fans were, they're watching the games and they're like, you know, get somebody, trade for somebody. What are we going to do? You know, let's kind of suss this out a little bit. Um, you know, we did make a couple of signings, you know, and maybe you can talk about those. You know, we did sign a, a particular reliever. You know, what? tell us about some of the guys that aren't on the roster right now that might be able to help this team in the future. Yeah, it's, I mean, we did recently sign Cody Allen. A lot of, a lot of baseball fans are familiar with him, but, you know, we're not, he's a low-risk high reward guy. I mean, we're not paying him much. If, if he comes in and he does well, that's all we need. If he doesn't, we can move on. But but I look at, there's a couple prospects that we recently drafted Burl Caraway. He was the top reliever in the 2020 draft. He's he's only six feet, but he's a lefty and he's a strikeout guy. He 15.6 Ks per nine his most recent season. And, and he was a guy, I mean, he didn't get a lot of college offers. He was a late bloomer. He was late on, you know, it took him a while to build up uh, velocity, but now, I mean, he's hitting 93 to 98 regularly and he's got an, he's got an above average curve. And what a lot of like for all the sabermetric people, he has a very good spin rate. So, and that's something the Cubs value a lot as in, you know, a guy like a Tyler Chatwood, like he has a good spin rate. So definitely something the Cubs look at. And I think he could help. He's, you know, like I said, he's been a closer. He, you know, he has the mindset of being able to handle the ninth inning. Yeah, a couple of fun things about him too is uh, his delivery kind of looks like Billy Wagner. If you remember sure. Billy Wagner, uh, kind of like this really compact kind of load up and then a spring out delivery. And uh, Cubs fans also enjoy, you know, he wears his hat, uh, wears his hat, what, way down and like to the side, right? Like he's like, and this guy's a true reliever, correct? He's not a starter. He's a reliever in college, right? Yeah, correct. Like, he's, you know, he's one of those pitchers that he's a straight reliever. They're not going to mess around and try to make him a starter. Like, you're go back and forth. Yeah, straight relief pitcher. And he's expected to be the first, or a lot of scouts have him being the first player from the 2020 class to make the big leagues. Yeah, he's got a lot to like about him, right? And let's be honest, like, his stuff profiles a lot better than you know, Kyle Ryan. I mean, you know, let's be honest. Right. I know that they like Brad Wick a lot. I don't know what his injury situation is right now or how far away he is from probably returning to the team. You know, they brought up Justin Steele, you know, just in general, you know, do you think, you know, if, if you were in charge, would you bring up a Burl Caraway and sort of a see what you got situation? Or do you think they maybe are doing the right thing by erring on the side of caution and maybe protect the kid? Well, I think given our record right now and the way that we're playing, I don't think they're in a hurry to bring him up. But if I think if you know, as the season goes on, as game standings get tighter, I think definitely he's a name that, you, that they have to consider. And you would think too, hopefully, <laughs> fingers crossed, right, by that time, we have a, a, a handful of dudes that we can trust, 
right? Like, I think that's the whole idea. And maybe you're right, you know, maybe wait, you know, we, we do have such a great record right now. We can work out some issues internally on the roster a little bit. And the hope is maybe, you know, gosh, if he could just be a sixth, seventh guy, a sixth, seventh inning guy, you know, maybe you do fall in love with Sadler. Maybe you do have Wick. You got Jeffress. Maybe you can work out Kimbrell by that point, And then you can sort of bring him in to, um, to complement that. And that could be actually a really interesting situation. I do think in this shortened season, too, that like a rookie can come up like a Caraway and be successful in a short span of time and, 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 you know, not necessarily have the book out on him of, you know, how to hit the guy. And you're right, too. That curveball was really interesting. And he's definitely in, uh, a very uh, intriguing possibility for this Cubs bullpen. Yeah, definitely. And I agree with the shortened season. I mean, you're seeing prospects that are 20 years old coming up because there's no minor league season. They they need to get the reps in. And and in general, a lot of these prospects, it's not taking them four or five years to get through a system, to get to a roster. A lot of them, especially the college players, I mean, you're you're seeing them that get drafted and within a year they're on the big league club. So who else uh, maybe that isn't on the roster right now, the Cubs fans might not know about that could, you know, that is on the 60-man that could possibly help this team, especially in that bullpen? Yeah, Bray, uh, Braylon Marquez. He's another – he's a lefty. He's our number one pitching prospect. And he's only 20 years old, but he, he is a flamethrower. He hits up to 102 miles per hour. And a lot of scouts, they love his four-seam fastball. He – like, I, I was, I've seen one scout, and he said – his four-seam – he said, when we look at young pitchers, we want them to develop other pitches. But his four-seamer is so good – that his secondary pitches, even if they're average, he's going to have a good. And he's a, he's a it, big dude, right? Like he's a lot bigger than I thought. Like, I mean, he's like a big, he's, yeah, like he's a, a, bulky, he's, he's a yeah. country strong left-handed. I mean, yeah, definitely projected to be a starter. Do you think that he could, do you think a, a, he could come out of the bullpen and be successful at this point? Yeah, I do because he reminds me a lot of, and this might be uh, too risky, but when the, when the Brewers called up Josh Hader three or four years ago, when he was, he was projected to be a starter. He struggled. They brought him up, and he was just lights out in the bullpen. And that's sort of, at least for this season, how I look at Marquez, because he's got that fastball. He strikes out batters, and he's just overpowering on the mound. And I think at least in a, you know, an inning, inning a night, even, or even a late leverage situation, I think he'll be able to get the job done. I mean, I like what you're throwing at me right now. Do you got anybody, anybody else on your list uh, that, you know, could at least be a possibility, you know, you know, we're, we're the train is on the tracks right now, but the wheels are definitely definitely wobbling a little bit with this bullpen. You know, who else could possibly be a um, a guy that we could bring up and help us? Yeah, I think Adbert uh, Elzale. He was up last year for us. He, he's a starter, but he also he, he was only up for four games, but he threw a few in relief, and he was hit or miss. His first game, everyone fell in love, and you saw like why he was hyped up. But I think I think it's. He's, Long term is projected as a starter, but in a season like this, you, the more shots in the kitchen, the better. I mean, we need to figure out this bullpen, and why not, you know, take the training wheels off and let these young guys throw? Yeah, I was decently impressed by him uh, in his, you know, his small little cup of coffee with the team last year, and I think he's kind of an intriguing piece too as well because, you know, let's be honest, like I love, I love, I love Johnny Lester. Okay, but it's the last year of his deal. You know, even after this year, you know, how many more years left does he have in the tank? And, you know, he's pitched well through the first two starts, but there are going to be days, let's be honest, let's be real, that, you know, Lester is going to struggle. There's going to be moments where, 
you know what, in that third, fourth inning, he's going to ha- have a hard time getting through the lineup. And if he gets through that inning, you know, his pitch count might be capped at the fifth inning. So we're going to need some guys to pick up some multiple innings. Enter Albert Azale, right? You know, he could possibly be a guy that can be a bit of a bridge starter. I don't know if you want to call him a true long reliever, but maybe a guy that can give you two innings. And, you know, at this point, I'll tell you what I really like a lot about David Ross right now is, you know, clearly like, you know, they went to camp and they came out with a couple of guys, right? But already they've shipped a couple of dudes out. You know what I mean? Like you get a one-two shot at producing and sorry, Dylan Maples, you know, you're going back to South Bend. And I do like that with David Ross right now. And, and honestly, he seems like a kind of guy and you can agree or disagree that that is going to maybe give these young kids a chance if no one else can get it done. Yeah. And I agree with that. And, and even with the pitching, but also with just like Nico Horner, like he's getting those chances in center field. I, right. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I think, yeah. And I think Russ, I mean, I'll be the, I'll be the first to admit, like I'm a Joe man fan. I wanted Joe Girardi to come in. I wasn't, you know, the biggest though, like David Ross, like I wasn't the biggest fan of him managing, but he so far so good. So and I do feel like the players seem to respect him. They see, and like you said, like the young players, both pitching and hitting, like you're getting, you're getting your opportunities, but it's up to you, up to the player to make the most of them. And, you know, at 10 and two right now, like there's, you know, or it's all, I mean, the bullpen is a huge problem, but at the same time, it is a bit of a, pick, a picking nit situation because the rest of the team, like the defense looks fantastic. The starting pitching, which you highlighted at the very top, has been one of the best, not just in the National League, but in all of baseball. And the hitting is doing just enough. And you would like to think, right, Daniel, that the, the offense is just going to get better. Right, yeah. And then that's the thing. Like, our, off, like our pitching has been phenomenal. And it's, so it's, once the offense gets going, I mean, watch out. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So 10-2 Cubs, let's, uh, let's go to the south side because I know that you write about the White Sox too as well. You know, uh, you know audiences want to hear about kind of what's going on with them. You know, you know, quick, uh, quick uh, last time on the White Sox season uh, preview trailer reminder. They started the season one and four. They rattled off six wins. They did lose yesterday one and nothing. So they're seven and five. Um, you know, they're, they're going to play the Brewers again today. Gio Gonzalez is going to be on the mound. Let's see how that goes. But, you know, so far so good in terms of what we've seen from these White Sox teams in the past. And I know that there's a lot to choose from, so there is no right or wrong answer here. You know, which of these young Sox hitters right now are you most excited about? Or when they step to the plate, you're like, I'm not missing this at bat. Number 88, Luis Robert. I mean, he just – well, I mean, it's like, what can't he do? I mean, and, and with all the hype, he won probably the most hyped prospect since maybe his teammate, Yohan Moncada. And, and even Moncada, I mean, he struggled when he first came up. But Robert, he's just – just put his – you know, he is just his he's Bo Jackson. Fire. It's crazy, right? right? Right, yeah. I mean, he has got speed. He's got defense. Like, there's no well, – what can't he do? I mean, I see him being in the next year or two. It wouldn't – like, it would not shock me if he's a top three to five player in the league. It's incredible. He's already got four stolen bases, you know, in this 60-game season from a fantasy perspective. That was, you know, typically you're going to punt on stolen bases. But this year I was going to punt on it, you know, even harder because in a 60-game season it's just kind of hard to get in that rhythm and – you know, if you start stealing bases, people can really shut that down quickly. And that sort of t- takes you out of the game with that for about eight to 10 games. But he's already got four on the season. And for White Sox fans, you know, how fun is this right now that, you know, when you go to the merch stand, you know, typically, 
you know, back in the 05, 06 days, you'd go to the merch stand and you'd have a hard time picking out which T-shirt you wanted to buy. You know, am I an AJ guy? Am I a Burley guy? JD guy? Paul Canerco? And the White Sox fans are finally back in that place, right? Where, you know, there's number 88. You know, there's number, there's 74, Eloy. There's number 10, Moncada. You can go old school, go 79, Abreu. Um, it sort of sounds like, you know, if you're at the merch stand buying a T-shirt, you're buying an 88, though, right? Yeah, definitely. And and even as a Cubs fan, like, I'm a Cubs fan, but, yeah, I'm jealous of all the young talent they have on the South Side right now. Well, it's funny. <laughs> it, it's interesting. Like, we're, like, wistfully nostalgic, right, to, like, five or six years ago. We were like, ah, oh, I remember that. Like, I remember when we were excited for – major league debuts and uh excited for the first time they hit a home run and stuff and and at that time you know you you're so optimistic and it's really incredible that the cubs actually pulled it off and won a world series because nothing is guaranteed and handed to you but you'd have to think right that the white Sox are going to have a pretty damn good shot at it over the next what four or five years yeah, definitely and, and definitely not a, a division with you know tigers are rebuilding the royals rebuilding like they're in the right division the indians they're getting old you know they have contracts coming up lindor is probably going to be gone so yeah the indians are just like are just itching to get rid of everybody it feels like i don't know what it is like they're just like they can't quite blow up the whole team but they kind of sort of want to Uh, right exactly (laughs) and so i think that they're in the right division they're in they got all the young talent and all their young talents locked up so no mostly is locked up so they don't have to worry about, you know, people are, you know, wanting more money or it's pretty much the opposite of what the Cubs did, where, you know, they didn't sign anyone long-term and now you're looking at this might be, you know, the last dance Cubs edition. Yeah, no kidding. And, you know, the, it's interesting too, you know, they're seven and five, uh, pretty good start, right? Uh, you know, just moving forward, just watching this team, you know, we can kind of pick apart a lot of different stuff because they're young, a bit inexperienced. But, you know, at the core of it, you know, what do you think this team's Achilles heel is right now? You know, what do you think is really going to probably end up ending up maybe holding them back from being the true contender that I think White Sox fans think they're going to be for the next couple of years? Yeah, definitely the starting pitching. I mean, I think offensively and bullpen, I think, you know, no complaints there. But they've had injuries in the rotation, Michael Kopech isn't isn't playing this year so I mean definitely Keuchel's looked a lot better than I thought he would be but definitely I mean they got to straighten out Dylan C so they got Rodon is you know he's always a question mark he's out at least a few more weeks so definitely the four and five spots in the rotation and, and even Giolito like he'll have Giolito he's a very good pitcher but he's very up and down like he'll have he'll string together you know, a lights out start and then he'll get rocked the next start. So I think he needs to be a little more consistent, but yeah, definitely the starting pitching. Cause if you go into a playoff series and you don't have strong starting pitching, good luck. Yeah. And for those of you scoring at home right now, currently the white Sox, if the playoffs started today would be the fourth seed, the first wild card uh, of many wild cards that we're going to have this year. So they are in the playoff picture and I'm with you, you know, there's a lot to sort of sort out there and you know, what I'm about to say isn't knocking Kopech for the decision that he made because, honestly, he made it for the best interest of himself and his health and the family around him. Never going to knock that in the world. But, you know, at the same time, you are going to be going into next season, all this potential, still sort of maybe trying to figure out who the true ace on that staff is, right? You know, is it going to be Kopech right away? 
is it, and you brought up a great point because I'm right there with you. You know, I like Giolito a lot. All-star last year, ripped off an amazing stretch where I think he went something like 10-2 and two with like a 2.12 ERA, high strikeout rate. Don't know if he's like a true ace, though. You know, game two, game three starter in a playoff series, for sure. Absolutely. I can totally see that. But that is going to be a kind of a question is, you know, who's going to be the head of the dragon there in that rotation moving forward? You know, obviously not just this year, but in years next year. And they have a lot to sort out too, right? Like Ronaldo Lopez, shoulder tightness, you know, is he going to be able to make it through in the starting rotation? Rodon, poor Rodon, just dude just can't be healthy. I'm almost wondering now, is the dude a bullpen guy? Um, you know, I, I it, yeah, I, it's just really tough to think. What do you think, Rodon, long-term starter or bullpen guy as of this moment? I would say no. I mean, I think – I honestly think he should work in the bullpen because – and it's something that in the past he wasn't open to. But this offseason he did – he did say that he wouldn't – you know, he wanted to just help the team. And I think just when you have a team and you're confident and you know – all right, we could go to the playoffs. We can make, like, we're ready to compete. It takes guys like Rodan and to be like, all right, like, I'm going to step up. Do you want me to pitch out of the bullpen? Call my name. I'll be ready. And I think just given his health history, and I think in a shortened season, I, I personally don't think it makes sense to bring him back as a starter. I think it makes sense to give him in the, put him in the bullpen, keep, don't put too much stress on the arm. Yeah, it was really tough to see the other day. You know, he was, he was taken out after 25 pitches. He was only throwing about 89. His control was great, actually. He had, he had awesome control, which was kind of a surprise to see. But, yeah, we're really only getting up to, like, 90, 89 on the gun. You know something isn't right there. So maybe that is a, definitely a possibility. And, you know, the starting rotation, I'll, I'll be honest, the bullpen has been a bit of a surprise for me. Like, we knew Bummer and Colomay on the back end were going to be solid. We knew, you know, bringing in a veteran like C-Shack was going to help. But, man, like, Evan Marshall's been really good. Cordero's been really good. Detweiler, who they're thinking about maybe bringing into the rotation, he's been really good, too, as well. That bullpen has been nice. So I'm right there with you. Starting pitching is going to be very, very interesting, you know, similar to what we were talking about with the Cubs, where, you know, you just want the starting pitching to keep this young offense in a game, right? Like, don't make them all – don't make them always feel like they're chasing four, five, six runs. Now, granted, you know – the twins are just like blew our doors off. Uh, just wasn't even, wasn't even close, but you do want to have a starting rotation that can at least keep you in the game and give your offense that chance to, to score those big time runs that you want to see them, uh, see them do. And you know, the offense has been quiet the last couple of days. I want to ask you, my question is, you know, my Achilles heel for them still is their defense. Um, it hasn't really come to bite them in the ass yet. But, you know, go person by person around the infield and the outfield. I'm just not crazy about the, about the defense. Um, you know, what are, what are your thoughts on that? I know it isn't always a huge, uh, you know, factor in winning and losing games, but it can sometimes be a factor when it comes to close games, right? Right, yeah, and I agree. And I think it's a big factor. And, like, one of the things with the Cubs is they always, even with Theo Epstein with Boston, like, de- like you're, you have to play defense to play offense. and and yeah, definitely with the White Sox this year and the past few years. And that's why I was a bit surprised with just re-signing Jose Abreu to be first base and not designated hitter because, I mean, they have a lot. Yeah, really aside from Robert, I mean, they do not have many many defensive players. And Yasmani Grandel behind the plate. But, but I mean, Eloy Jimenez, A-plus hitter, but 
he gets hurt. Defense. Yeah, he gets hurt like just playing the outfield. I've never seen a guy like run into more walls or like just just he, he gets hurt out there and he's too good of a hitter to be out there. I'm with you. Right. Yeah, and I just feel like the White Sox they have so much good hitting, but they but a lot of players you can sit you can make the case that they should be designated hitters just based on their lack of defense. Yeah, and you know, Moncada's solid third base. He's play he's done there decently, but let's remember he is a converted second baseman. Tim Anderson, I love to watch him play. I love to watch him hit. Um I love to hear what he has to say after the game. Uh, not a great shortstop. Um not very accurate on his throws can boot sometimes one of the, the easier balls. And I'm with you. The mobility with the Brayu is kind of a bit of an issue out there. And, you know, right field was a bit of a rotating cast right now. I just, I just feel like that isn't quite exactly at a level that's going to maybe set them apart this season. And, you know, they could still win a lot of games and they can still make noise in the playoffs, but I do feel like that that might hold them back just a little bit. Yeah, I don't, I totally agree between that and the starting pitch, especially when you have struggling starting pitching, really need that defense to step up because they're going to score runs, but you you got to be able to save runs as well. And another big problem that they've had is, man, they've gone to Milwaukee and they've just gotten so banged up the last couple of days. My God, you know, Madrigal left with an injury. looks like he's definitely going to miss some time. And Carnacion's not in the lineup for the second time uh, in, in as many days. He's got also, it looks like a left shoulder issue. Moncada's still playing, but it looked like he almost injured himself. Running out, of, uh, running out of ground ball the other day at first base. Eloy Jimenez was shaking his left hand after a weird swing the other day. You know, what is it about, what is it about Milwaukee right now and these White Sox players? Uh, I, I can't quite figure it out. Do you, have any, do you have any voodoo knowledge that you perhaps give me right now? The only thing I could think of is that Herm Schneider is no longer the uh, That's team it. doctor for the White Sox. He used to be the most popular uh, White Sox person of my friends. So. <laughs> yeah. Him and the uh, grounds crewman. Yeah, yeah, his pants were never higher, and dude, that dude was out there uh, at a moment's notice whenever there was an injury. And I don't know, I don't know if it's like the White Sox-Brewers old rivalry uh, coming back to bite us, but they just got to get out of Milwaukee as quick as they possibly can. And so I want to ask you, you know, Madrigal looks like he's going to miss a little time. Encarnacion, you know, not in the lineup right now. Let's be honest, older dude, DH only, really kind of uh, limits you a little bit in terms of roster flexibility. Let's just do Encarnacion for a second. You know, would you maybe give him another day to see if he can come back? Or, you know, sometimes, you know, you just throw a guy in the IL and just be like, hey, man, like, you know, let's just get you 100% and bring you back. What should they do with him? Yeah, I mean, I don't think it's a bad idea. I mean, he's been struggling with the bat, and they do have they do have Andrew Vaughn in that they could call up. And he's – that was why a lot of people were surprised that they brought in Encarnacion with Abreu. Because Vaughn, I mean, he's the Golden Spikes uh, winner in 2018, and – I mean, if you look at his college resume, there's a reason he was the third pick overall. I mean, he had 374. He had 50 home runs, you know, oh and, and that was just in 160 games. So, I mean, and, but in addition to that, I mean, a lot of, like my, when you, when I, if I could compare him to a player, I'd say, I mean, a Paul Goldschmidt type, wow. type upside at least, because he's, he's not as big as Goldschmidt. He's, he's a bit shorter, but he's, but, uh, but as far as like plate discipline to power goes, I mean, he he does not swing at a ball outside of the strike zone. He could he could drive it far. So I think he has the Goldschmidt upside. Yeah, that's great for White Sox fans to hear because yeah, he seems to a lot of the reports right where he was the most advanced hitter that was drafted in the first round. 
I like, I mean, I watched him in some of those inter squad games before we got started. I thought he had some pretty decent at bats. Um, you know, he's a thick dude. He's like, it looks like a, like a thick stout country boy, um, guy. And, you know, uh, just to, just to kind of clarify, you know, it seems like moving forward, you know, he, him and Abreu is going to be the, the first base DH combo moving forward. And Encarnacion sort of feels like a one-year rental, correct? Yeah. Encarnacion has a team option, but I can't, I don't think it would make much sense for them to pick that up. So yeah, I think they brought him in as just insurance in case Vaughn came up and struggled. Like they have the, they have Encarnacion, but yeah, I would be shocked if they picked up his option. Yeah, so what we've noticed, uh, obviously, with today's lineup, we've got Zach Collins in the lineup today. We had McCann in the lineup yesterday. So currently we're carrying three catchers. In your opinion right now, is that, is that the move? You know, obviously, Madrigal looks like he's going to go on the IL. Maybe Encarnacion follows suit. You know, would you bring an Andrew Vaughn up and maybe see what he can do in that DH spot for a couple of days? Or would you sort of leave him alone and keep him on ice for right now? No, I would definitely bring him up, definitely, because the Sox got off to a slow start. They need to – I mean, they've been winning up late, but, like, they need to keep it going, and why not throw your best option out there? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. And, like, you could still do a situation, too, where you could, I think, in theory, keep Collins on the roster. You could give Vaughn a start maybe, you know, twice a week, maybe pair him with some left-handed pitching, maybe pair him with some back-end rotation stuff. You can still get McCann his starts, right? You can still rotate Grandal in and out of the DH spot and maybe bring up Andrew Vaughn and see what happens. You know, maybe my only thing that I'm thinking about is what if Andrew Vaughn comes up and he does so well that when Encarnacion comes back, there's no spot for him. And maybe, you know, I, I get it. Good problem to have. But, you know, you know, how would that scenario play out, do you think? Well, also, well, with Madrigal on the DL, he's expected out for a few weeks. Or the injured list, and uh, and Vaughn, he's not good defensively, but he did get some reps at third base, so they could always put, you know, if Encarnacion's healthy, he could be DH. They could slide Mancata back to second and put Vaughn at third. You'd have a very bad defense, but offensively, offensively, it could be something special. But also, I think White Sox fans, I mean, not everyone's Luis Robert who's going to come up and hit 350, and so like you got to be patient with players like Vaughn. I mean, even Eli struggled when he first came up. You know, if the ball's in the air just long enough, Robert could play all nine positions, right? Right. Uh, he's, got the, he's got the speed. So uh, that's a really interesting wrinkle. I didn't even really think about that, that Vaughn could possibly use, be used at third base. Um, that's a really interesting point. Also very valid that their defense, is, that sounds terrifying to me. But, you know, for a game or two here and there, you know, let's be honest, you know, if the MLB season's teaching us anything right now is that there are going to be some doubleheaders, right? Uh, some seventh-inning doubleheaders. So, you know, instead of, you know, necessarily bringing out, you know, Renteria earlier this season, I think he had Zach Collins, Danny Mendick, and Nicky Delmonico in a lineup on the same day. And let's be honest, you just – you can't have that. You have to try and win – some baseball games. So even if you do maybe sacrifice a little bit of defense from one for one seven inning game to get Vaughn Moncada in the lineup at the same time, maybe that's a way, maybe that's a way that you can go there. I didn't think about that. It's a good point. Yeah, and I totally agree. Cause even as, even as a Cubs fan, it pains me when I see that Rentree is rolling out, you know, Delmonico, like all these players are, it's like, all right, they've seen them, give them the prospects. Cause as a Cubs fan, I know how it was when you're waiting for the arbitration dates or, you know, you just want, 
You want the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, there's two things kind of going on with Nicky Delmonico. One, I call him Nicky Dominoes because you never eat Dominoes unless there's no other choice. Um, so basically, Nicky Delmonico is out there because we have no other choice. The other part, too, is that he, he's, the, he's the remnants. You know, Jose Abreu is a good ba- baseball player, but Nicky Delmonico is the remnants, the residue of all those horrible White Sox years um of those those i mean you had to cover those my friend uh you i mean how many articles have you written about daniel palka in your life my goodness oh yeah yeah he, he is not a he's not a loved guy on the south side <laughs> i know but you know it's just like it's this, those are the dark ages you know what i mean like the the years when you know you're writing about nate Sherholes on the cubs you know you just kind of want to sort of forget that stuff and move on to the now right, exactly. sort of re- represents that a little bit for me final question on the white Sox. If you had to give a grade for Ricky Renteria so far right now, his managing job, what he's done with the bullpen, what he's done with the lineups, uh, you know, the starting rotation, on and on, et cetera, what grade would you give Ricky Renteria? Because me personally, I think he's just under a lot of pressure this year to be successful. Yeah, I agree with that. And that's a tough question, right? Because I did get off to a slow start, but I'd say probably like a B minus C plus for now, just because of the slow start. And I do think with his lineup, I like get like Robert, I understand like, yeah, you don't want to throw him right into the fire and make him lead off, but it shouldn't have taken an injury to Tim Anderson for him to be moved up from the seventh spot. So I think he has a lot, he has a lot of lineup. His lineups aren't always, don't always make sense to me, but, but yeah, but I think he's handled the bullpen well. the starting rotation's been up and down, but also, but you also can't control injuries, but I mean, I think, I think he's doing a solid job. Yeah. I'm right with you probably on the B minus for sure. Um, my White Sox preview it was really focused on, I, you know, I just thought Renteria, you know, for years, great guy, right? Great baseball man. Now it's time to win some games and you've got talent on your team. So there's no reason why that shouldn't happen this year. One of the things that I was looking at specifically was how he was handling the bullpen. And to this point, shut my mouth. He's done actually a really great job of mixing and matching, putting people in good positions to succeed. Our starting rotation has not been great. So he's had to go to the pen a little bit earlier than he liked. And so far, I think he's gotten great results. I'm right there with you, though, on the lineup. It's just, it's been inconsistent. The, the combinations have a little bit, been a little bit weird. You know, he finally has all these different kind of offensive tools to play with with the DH position, and I don't think he's necessarily utilized that to his advantage at this point. And I'm right there with you with Robert hitting seventh. I mean, going back to that second game, that second doubleheader game against the Indians, that was the game that had Delmonico, Collins and Mandic in the lineup at the exact same time. He had Delmonico hitting cleanup. He had James McCann hitting sixth. And I think he had Zach Collins hitting in front of Luis Robert at seventh. This is like, I, I, I just don't understand what you're doing at that point. You know, I understand that you want to protect a kid, but let's be real. Like Luis Robert is the truth, man. I don't know if he needs protecting. I think you just need to put him in positions to succeed. I thought he could be a great three hitter, but him in the lineup leadoff position has been fantastic so far. I'm with you. Even maybe when Tim Anderson comes back, I'd probably just leave him there. You know, Tim Anderson could hit eighth or ninth, or he could lead the league in hitting, and maybe he could help at the bottom of the lineup. But, you know, when he comes back, would you keep Robert at the leadoff over Tim Anderson? I probably would. And the White Sox lineup, it's deep enough that, like back to the, like when we were talking about the Cubs lineup with Bryant at the top, but when you have eight, nine hitters, that are able to get on base, if you have a, a good lineup like the White Sox, you want Robert, like he's only going to be realistically leading off at, you know, in the first inning. And then it's, you know, you want, 
there's runners on base, who, do, who else do you want up? You want Robert up, and I think he'll, I mean, I think his, you, with that Sox lineup, I think he definitely needs those at-bats. Well, and on top of that, too, like, think about it. Like, you can't, I wouldn't put Tim Anderson in the two-hole because Tim Anderson likes to, he's a free swinger, and that's what makes him great, and he doesn't really look at a lot of pitches. Makata looks at pitches at least, and he's been so awesome. I think he's got five hits and four walks in the first inning of games or some crazy stat like that. So, you know, he's seeing pitches, and I want the two-hole guy to see pitches because I don't mind when number 88 stealing bases, right? So I don't think Tim Anderson's going to work there in that two-hole. So I, I think you stick with Mankata there and then maybe move Anderson down a little bit, maybe that five six hole or something maybe put it put him in front of Eloy put some speed in front of Eloy and maybe you know go that route and um it's going to be really interesting but man so far so good from the White Sox so far so good for just Cubs baseball White Sox baseball Chicago baseball right yeah it's, it's, it's been a while since both teams uh could be bragging so <laughs> yeah yeah you're you're no longer like super especially on the south side too you're not like writing articles just like you know now he's hitting 188 over his last 10 games like this is right. stuff you can get you can get really excited about it and you know knocked him three runs scored two runs you know and write the word yeah. victory more in articles right no more tyler saladino or daniel Polka. they're all they're all in korea so <laughs> oh boy tyler saladino and the facial hair man right. <laughs> What what facial that that would be the, that would be the fun part of watching a White Sox game. What would his facial hair be like today for Tyler? Right. <laughs> Daniel, thank you so much for joining. That's going to do it for today's episode. You guys can check out Daniel's writing on Rotoballer.com. He covers the Cubs and the White Sox for baseball right now. Rotoballer.com is a fantastic website. We can get all in for your, all your your information on injuries, game recaps fantasy analysis projections they even have a great uh youtube site too as well with a bunch of videos sometimes i guess spot on those things too as well so check that out but thank you so much for joining daniel we'll talk to you soon thank you so much for having me this was an episode of believe in betting chicago my name is joy christopoulos thank you so much for tuning in i hope you have a great rest of your week we're going to be back next week we're going to be talking basketball baseball you know and sooner or later we're going to be talking football it's going to happen sooner or later because it looks like the nfl is going to be getting together. They're going to start practicing very soon, so plenty more to talk about. But until then, thank you so much for tuning in. Be safe, be kind, be good to each other, and we will talk soon. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.